Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. We're so glad y'all are here. So this is today, Acts 22 through Acts 28. So we're going to step away. It really might be one of your favorite parts of Acts, I promise. I'm, I'm going to lead in and say it really Yeah, maybe. you really should. It's awesome. We're going to step away so you can see the board oh, yeah. real quick. We didn't do that last time. It's going to be fine. Nobody have a panic attack about last time. <laughs> um, okay, so if you wanted to pause back then and, and see. Y'all remember one time I forgot to comb my hair in the video? Yes. My whole family was like, what happened to his hair? Uh, your family you're they're bad people okay (laughs) all right so if we go to look this whole thing is kind of interesting acts 22 um what ends up happening is paul gets arrested he's always getting arrested he comes back to jerusalem which is the hotbed for where he doesn't want to be remember he's been out on these Mm -hmm. journeys when he comes back to jerusalem um caiaphas is still there the one who was behind the the death and crucifixion of jesus and now he's trying to get Paul closed up also. Um, and so um, they're accusing him for the same things, for causing riots. And he ends up uh, being sent over to the coast city, Caesarea. Remember that the Jews lived, the Roman Empire worked by, um, the Roman emperor would put um, little governors over the different areas of the empire. And they kind of ruled over, but they let the people kind of run their own show. And so um, the Jewish leaders are trying to get Paul executed for causing these riots and stuff like that. So 22 through 28 starts by telling why he's there. And then it kind of talks about, it goes, he goes through a, two different governors. And so he'll tell his story twice, you know, to the first governor. And he's just kind of like, I don't know what to do with you. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, leaves. And then a new governor comes in and he's just kind of like, I don't really know what to do with you either. And eventually it gets to the spot where Herod Agrippa, um, who is over this entire area comes and he is the king essentially over that whole area and um, he's in town visiting and um, the the guy who's Felix is it Festus or Felix at that point I can't uh, remember I think it's Festus. Um, Festus says to him like look I I, I, uh, I you know these people you know like their stuff their customs and everything um, do you want to kind of hear out his story and everything like that? And he says, yeah, I'll hear him out. So there he is with his wife and they're sitting there and Paul gets a chance to tell his story. And I love thinking about that. I love thinking about here is his chance to tell why he lives the way he does, why he believes. I love thinking of that question, asking someone, what's your story? Yep. Tell me why you do the things that you do. And don't you love those movies too, where you watch someone who is just a, a really amazing person and then you get to the end of the movie and they just do a little like sum up of their entire life and that happens it happens in Deuteronomy with Moses which I love and it happens also here at the end of Acts with Paul he just gets this moment to say okay let me tell you where this story began and we're gonna start on the road to Damascus remember when we were just there and he is gonna walk us through this whole thing clear up until the moment where we are right now. And I just love it. It's a walk down memory lane yeah. and I love it so much. So this is Acts 26 is where we're going to be in just a couple spots in the story. 
we want to stop at that are kind of neat. The verses are here. Um, he starts off just by saying, look, I have been, I was a devout Jew my whole life. I took it seriously. I loved it. And I love that he says this. Um, all I did, verse six was, six, was hold on to the promise that God made to our ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I held on to those promises. And verse seven, I instantly served God day and night. I just mm. gave my whole heart and soul to what I thought was true and good. And this, that's why I'm accused. Right. That, and that's why, that's yeah, problems. right. And he says, and, and I love in verse eight, he's like, I don't understand. I think it's incredible that it's a crime that someone would believe that God can raise the dead. Why is that such a crime? Why is it a crime to believe that? And not only like Jesus coming back from the dead, but even Paul himself mm -hmm. talking about himself. like, why is it a crime to believe that God snatched me out of a bad place and, and brought me to where I am mm -hmm. today? Um, and he goes through, and I love the, this verse 19 where he says, he talks about the whole vision where Jesus stopped him on the road and gave him his second chance. And he said, whereupon, verse 19, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. And um, we love the cross-reference for this is in Joseph Smith history. Yeah, it's so good because he's just come out of, he, he tells him, he just starts and says at midday, I was on this road. I love when he says, um, I hated the Jews. I punished them out of every synagogue. The no, uh, yeah, the Christians. And compelled them to blasphemy and being exceedingly mad against them. I love when he's like, this is how much I hated the Christians. Um, and I had this letter that said I could persecute him. And then I saw this light come out of heaven and I heard a voice, he says. And and he goes through that whole story. And, um, and then he says, I love that at that point is when he says, and King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that vision. I know what happened there, and I never turned my back once and he, on that vision. And he could have said, and he could have said, and my life has been horrific since then. Yeah. I have gone to jail so many times. I have been whipped. I have been beaten. I have been stoned to death and brought back from the dead. I have lost friends. I have lost family. But mm -hmm. how could I be? But God told me to change. Yeah. And, and I, so and I, I cannot, had to. I cannot say that light and that voice I heard and that moment that I had on the road to Damascus, I, I can't deny it. And I have lived my life every day the way I have because of it. And Joseph Smith, when he was giving a recap of his life, it's um, the letter that he writes is in the Joseph Smith history, but he writes it towards the end of his life. And he says in verse 24, actually the end of verse 23, he says, strange or not, so it was like talking about his vision. And he says, it was often the cause of great sorrow to myself. Same type of thing. He's just like, it really like caused a lot of heartache in my life. In 24 though, it starts, however, it was nevertheless a fact. I beheld a vision. I have thought since I felt much like Paul when he made his defense before King Agrippa and related the account of the vision he saw when he saw the light and heard the voice. And he said, no one believed him and people said he was dishonest and other people said he was crazy and he was ridiculed and reviled. But all this did not destroy the reality of that vision. He'd seen a vision and he knew he had an, all the persecution under heaven could not make it otherwise. And even if they'd persecute him to death, yet he knew and would know to his latest breath, he had seen a light and he heard a voice. And what anybody else said couldn't change that. And then he says in 25, and so it was with me. I actually saw light 
and I saw two personages, and even though I was hated and persecuted for saying it, I couldn't be disobedient or dishonest to it also. He says, I knew it, and God knew it, and I couldn't deny it, neither dared I do it, right? Especially when it was such a personal and life-changing experience. You remember, even in the sacred grove, the first thing that Jesus says to him is, your sins are forgiven you. And he says, and God called my name Mm -hmm. and he rescued me from the devil choking me out. Like, how can I? Yeah. Well, and you just love, I love when you read that. Now you know what it's talking about, right? When you read that Joseph Smith history, you're like, oh, I know. This is when Paul was talking to King Agrippa. When he said to him, King Agrippa, I saw a light and I heard a voice and I have lived my life without being disobedient to that moment my whole life. And I just love the thought of that. Of like, I've, I'm going to be, I'm going to live up to my witness of who I know God is for the rest of my life. That is what Paul is saying in that moment. And then the most awesome thing happens. Well, I was going to say this. that I love that Joseph Smith looks back on this story and gains strength from it. Mm-hmm. Like that's interesting that Joseph Smith's experience happens more than, you know, 15, 16, I mean, 1800 years later. I can't, I couldn't do math mm-hmm. for a second, you know, and he just like looks back and he's like, I felt like Paul, you know, but mm-hmm. I read Paul's story where he st- stood in, you know, in chains in front of everybody. Yeah. Someone's about to yell out and call him crazy face. He's been to prison like I have. And I just, he like yeah. drew strength from, from the story of the past. From someone who had been in the same place. And it is true because Festus says to him, you're crazy. All of this learning has actually has made you crazy. And um, I love that in that moment, he says to him, no, the king knows I'm not crazy because I am persuaded that none of these things have been hidden from him. None of this was done in a corner. And then I love when he turns to King Agrippa and says, do you believe the prophets? And then I just, oh, I wish I could see this scene so bad when he says to him, I know you believe. I know you do. Yeah, And then the response is so interesting. And especially to a person that here's a, a, a guy, you know, who wouldn't be considered a believer, who wouldn't be considered somebody who followed the prophets. He mm-hmm. lived a very, very different life. And I love that he sees past all of that and he sees in him and he's like, I know that's who you are. And then Agrippa says back to Paul, this is one of the best lines. Oh, Verse 28, line. he says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You know, which would have been a radical life change mm-hmm. for King Agrippa. And he's like, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian with the, with the way you've told the story. And then Paul's answer back is oh, so, so good. cute. And it is so Paul. And he said, I would to God that not only you, but also everyone who hears me this day, were both almost and all together, such as I am. I wish that you weren't almost but I wish that you were all together like I am. And then he adds on this 29, he's like, except these bonds, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm not at telling you I want you to be in chains. Because <laughs> he's in the chains. He's like, I wish you'd be all together like I am, uh, except the handcuffs, you know? But I love that. He almost that persuades me to be a Christian. He says, I love this is question. Am I almost persuaded or am I altogether fully committed? Yeah, and I, I love that. The difference between almost and altogether. Am I almost persuaded or am I altogether committed? And, and what does that look like? And also, where are you? Um, I ask myself that all the time in this situation. Am I altogether committed? That is what I love about Paul. He was, I mean, when he was bad, he was 
all together bad. <laughs> yeah. But once the Lord had won his heart, he was all together committed. He was so passionate for Jesus and his testimony and what he knew to be true. And I love that about Paul. Yeah, and he's not committed. He's not all together in a perfect life, right? Yeah. He's just all together committed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Imperfect, repentant, changing me, but I'm all in. My loyalty is to is mm-hmm. to him yeah. at all costs. And then we're going to go to 27, which is now, my this favorite is what, chapter. And so this is what happens in 27. Before 26 happened, Paul actually, because he's a Roman citizen, um, Paul is able to appeal to Caesar. So he's gone through all these trials and no one's letting him go. And so finally he knows staying in Jerusalem area is going to be dangerous. So he makes an official plea to Caesar, which means he gets to plead his case in Rome before Caesar. So they're over in Jerusalem. And so now they're going to take a a ship journey from that Jerusalem, Israel area through the Mediterranean over to Rome. So that is the, that's the scene happening in 27. So when we get to chapter 27, Paul is in this boat. Julius um, entreats Paul, gives him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself, and then they're going to come together. And it says when they sailed under Cyprus, the, um, that's where they went because the winds were contrary. So we already, at the very beginning, we get this little hint that, um, it's, that they might have left a little too late. And um, they sailed slowly for many days. It tells us in 7. And then in verse 9, it tells us they stopped to fill up all their supplies, and much time was spent. And then he tells us, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, that fast that he's talking about would have been October 5th, um, which meant winter was now going to be approaching. So it was a time when people did not make big journeys across the sea. And um, they kind of got together and talked about what they should do. And you love the Paul who's the prisoner. In verse 10 says, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the ship, but also of our lives, right? He's he's giving prophetic counsel right there. He's like this. I'm just telling you my opinion is this. As the prisoner. As you the know, prisoner. To like the, I'm giving you my <laughs> advice. And in verse 11, it says, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than what was spoken by Paul, which really? <laughs> he's yeah, like, why? I'm going to look at the captain. I'm going to look at the prisoner. I'm going to go with the captain. Yeah. And, Can you um, just imagine Paul and he's probably got this scraggly beard yes. by now because he's been in jail like, for two years and he's sirs. calling out from the jail, I know, I from the bar. Like, she's like, sirs, sirs. <laughs> I, I just, I want to tell you. And so um, it tells us in verse 12, because the haven they were in was not a good place to winter in. Everyone voted they should um, go and they were going to go somewhere else to winter and so in verse 13, it tells us, and when the south wind blew softly, I love when he's like, and on this one day when nobody, I mean, they all were like, see, we're right. Supposing right, they had obtained man. their purpose, um, they loosed everything and they started selling. But not long after, in verse 14, comes this tempestuous wind. And it was called the Euroclidon. And um, everyone who was a sailor feared it, that wind because of its destructive power. They all knew what it was. As soon as that wind came up, everybody knew we probably made the wrong choice. <laughs> that is what happened in that moment. And when the ship was caught and, and would bear up in the wind, and they, they couldn't steer any longer, it tells us in verse 14, we just let her drive. And um, they had to do a lot of work because of the boat, because the boat was going to start coming apart. And so in verse 17, it tells us they undergirded the ship. 
And if you don't know what undergirding is, what happens is they take great big ropes and they tie them and they run them under the ship and then tie them again. And so, and they do it like every few feet. So it's gonna hold all the timbers of the ship, the bottom of the ship together because the waves are so strong. And then because they're still being tossed so much, it tells us in verse 18, the next day they threw everything off the ship. They were like, maybe if we just get rid of everything, we'll be fine. That is the right thing to do. So they've tied the ship all together. They've thrown everything out. And the third day, they cast out with their own hands all the tackling of the ship. So now they've gotten rid of everything that's on the ship except for the people. And in verse 20, we are going to find out what the biggest problem is. And it's going to be right here that you're going to want to write this on your sheet. What is the problem? And this is what he tells us. When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. And, and you've got to think back to that time period to figure out why was that such a big deal? Why was not seeing the sun or the stars for so many days a problem? Like why was it at that point they lost all hope? And it's because that's how they navigated. And after it had been several days, and remember they couldn't steer, they were just letting the ship go with the waves. They had no idea where they were, none. They, they had no idea where they were and they couldn't navigate. And further, like to not be able to see the sun for several days. Yeah. Like they used the stars to navigate and the sun, but it's yeah. like, if you can't see the sun for several days, you are really in a in a dark place. And that's where we're kind of setting up the lesson for yeah. the rest of this chapter. But you love this one little part right here. It might be my favorite part. Every so often you just get a glimpse of Paul and he is so funny because it is in that moment they haven't seen the sun or stars. And, and he says, this was the point where everyone finally lost hope. And then here comes Paul again. And he's like, sirs. After a long abstinence, <laughs> After you know. Long, he just, I held it as long as I could. And then he was like, sirs, you should have listened to me. That is what he tells him in verse 21. I think that is so awesome. That he's, here he is, you know, from the jail. Sirs. Yeah. Do you remember me? I just like to step in now. And then he says to them, you should have listened to me. But then he tells them in verse 22, but now listen, I'm just going to tell you, be of good cheer. There's not going to be loss of any man's life among you, but we are going to lose the ship. He tells them, can you imagine? Yeah. What are they thinking right now? Here is this weird guy that they've brought on the <laughs> ship and he just keeps giving these prophetic calls every so often. But the awesome part is like, and how do you know? He's like, an angel came to me last <laughs> night and told me that it's all going to be yeah, fine. It's all going to work you, out. And that's so much, there's so much Jesus there for them to be in a place of complete darkness, yep. storm. They have no idea where they are. Yeah. And twice he says, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. It's gonna for be okay. I believe God. Yep. And you know. so we're going to go and through so, this awesome part. We love teaching this. We're going to jump back and forth between each other. Um, we want you to think of a time when you have been in that place where, where you have not been able to navigate, um, when it feels like all hope is lost. It's, it's a dark place. We've all been in them. We know what it feels like. And we're going to watch right here what we learn about tethering ourselves to the Lord in a really scary and hard situation. And the first thing Paul tells us is in verse 23, there stood by me this night an angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. And he is going to start out right at that moment and just say, let me, let me give you something to hold on to. And I, let me start with the very basic. I believe in God. He sent me an angel. It's, it's who I serve. 
and it's who I've given my whole life to. And, and that tethering begins, and I'm hoping you're gonna be able to see these ropes as we go along. That tethering begins with just one little piece of rope in that moment. Um, and that's what he's gonna hold on to. And the second thing that comes... Well, and if you don't know much about ropes, I think this is important to say that like, if you look really close at a rope, all it is is just kind of like ropes are a mix of a bunch of smaller ropes, right? So when we talk about tethering ourselves to God, we're talking about just different principles that really are going to make that are, relationship are, strong, really strong and secure and hold you together in these tough moments. So the first thing he says, and you're going to want to write down here, is that I know God, whose I am and whom I serve. That is number one. I'm going to take I'm okay, going to take yeah. that right as number one. And then he's going to say to him, the second thing is, the angel told me, don't be afraid, Paul, because you have to be brought before Caesar. That's not the plan of the people on the ship. That is God's plan. That is God's purpose for you. God wants you to be um, brought before Caesar and not just you, but God will give, give you all the people who sell with you um, to fulfill that purpose. And so that's going to be number two. And, um, and we're going to start watching what happens here because just like David was just telling us, um, this rope, this next rope, is made up of a lot of little ropes that are just the size of this rope. And now they're starting to all be tethered together. So Paul's saying, not only do I know God, but I know God has a purpose for me. And how do I know? Because I've seen it this time and this time and this time and this time. I've seen him have a purpose for me. And it has helped me to believe um, that he knows, right? Recognize God has a purpose for you. And then uh, we get to verse 25, which I love because he's like, I, and I believe God, right? And, right. And um, he says that it shall be even as it was told me. And again, how does Paul know that? Because he's seen it so many other times, right? I don't know how this is going to work out. But I didn't know how that other experience was going to work out. But God was right. And so I, I believe him that it's going to happen exactly as he promised it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And that right? becomes the third thing. And then we get to, um, oh, and that looks like this, everyone. So we're going to start with the first rope, which was this, I believe God. Yeah. I and know I he, has, he a has a purpose for me. And then we're going to take this rope, and now this size rope is going to start wrapping around this size rope, which is, um, I believe it shall be even as he says. Whatever God says, whatever he tells me, I've learned to believe that because I've had this experience and the other experience over and over again in my life. And um, you see that tethering happen. And then the fourth thing is an interesting one because he says, um, after he tells him this is what the angel said, and he said, the angel said, we are going to be cast upon a certain island in verse 26. It's already planned. God knows the end. There's an island that is picked out. There's a certain island. That is where you're going to end up, which has to be comforting because remember, no sun and no stars. And they don't know where they are. They have no idea. They don't even know where to point the ship. But the mm. angel's like, don't you worry about it. God already has a certain island picked And I out love that that island got created on day two of Genesis, yes. right? Yes. It's like God's known that for a long time. There's like, this is a safe haven that I will use, you know, thousands yeah. of years from now. To protect Paul, my servant. Yeah, and, you know? and the people on the ship. And, right. and that becomes the fourth thing, right? And you just start watching as Paul is tethering and he's bringing all those people with him. This is what I know. And so what he tells them, this is what I want you to do. Um, he says, fearing lest we should have... Oh, well, this part's important in 28. It tells us, and they sounded 
And, and we're like, what does that mean to sound? In those days, when they wanted to find out how far away they were from somewhere and how close they were to ground, they would, they would send bombs down and then they would count how long and it would tell them how far away they were. And so in verse 28, it tells us um, they could tell they were drawing near to some country. And in 28, they said they sounded and they found they were 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it was 15,000 fathoms. And they realized, oh, we are coming upon ground really, really fast. And, and they, we can't see what the ground is. We don't know what it is. And in verse 29, fearing in case we should fall upon the rocks, they decide to cast four anchors out of the stern and just pray for the day. And that is what happens there. And I love this pause in the story because I think about them throwing out their four anchors in that moment and just saying, and we're gonna wait um, until we have more clarification until we can navigate. And I think about those four ropes that we just talked about, each one of them becomes Paul's four anchors in that moment, right? I know God, that is an anchor. I know he has a purpose for me, that is an anchor. I trust his word, because he's spoken before and it has come to pass, that's an anchor. And the fourth one is, um, he has a certain island. He knows the end, he knows the outcome. Those become Paul's four anchors in that moment. And we just gave you a little spot right here to talk about what are your four anchors and how important those anchors are. I'll never forget a time I had a friend call me right after general conference and um, he called to say his daughter had just been diagnosed with a brain tumor. They didn't know if it would be operable. They were nervous about what was going to happen. And and we talked about it. I asked all the questions that you would ask. What, what happened? How did you even know? And what was going on? And what did they find from the brain scans? And what was going to be the process they were going to go through? And, and all of these things. And then finally, I just said to him, but how are you feeling about this? And, and, and how are you going to get through this? And he said to me, we're going to hold on to our anchor points. And I was like, what is that? anchor points what do you mean by anchor points and he said well when we got married i think this is the greatest idea and if you didn't do this when you got married i just want to say this you could start right now when they got married they started a journal and it became the anchor points of their family every time they saw the hand of the lord working in their life they wrote it in the journal and those were their anchor points and when things got hard they would go back to the anchor points and he said that's what we did we got out the journal we went back to our anchor points and we know that because God got us through those things, he will get us through this. And I just think there is so much power in those anchors. For Paul, these were the four anchor points. In your life, they might be a little bit different. For that family, it was every time they'd seen a miracle happen in their little family in their entire life. And so maybe just take a second to sit down and think, what are your four anchors right now? If you're in that dark place without hope and you don't know how to navigate, just pause for a minute and think about what are my four anchors before you go forward? And they could be truths or they could be experiences, you know, but it just that phrase in there, there's like we threw out those anchors and we wished for the day. You know, it's just like, I'm just gonna have to wait in this place. A solution is not coming yet. But so I'm just gonna hold on to these anchor points, these truths mm -hmm. and experiences that you know that I already know. And I actually love that anchors work best when you don't see them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. like that waiting point is I can't see what's gonna happen, but I'm secure in 
You know what's happened in the past. I don't know how this one's going to work out, but I hold on to those truths and I wish and I hope for the day. And just because you put out your anchors doesn't mean things are going to get better because here is what happens next. Part of the, the sailors on the boat are like, what? Why are we putting out the anchors and we think there's land ahead and it's the middle of the night and everything's going on and a group of them decides they're going to cut off the little skiff and they're just going to take it in by themselves and save themselves. And Paul finds out that's what they're going to do. And um, he grabs the centurion and says, go get them because if they don't stay in this boat, they can't be saved. God will not save them. So don't let them go. And the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat, of that skiff, of their only safety. Like that is their lifeboat. And they cut it off and they send it away. And I think there are times when we're going to have moments of doubt and fear, even when we've put out our four anchors. And there is power in letting go the skiff. In times of war, they call it uh, burn the bridge, right? Any chance that is going to be you're going to rely on your own strength and not on God's, you're going to come up with your own plan out of this. Paul tells them, this is not the right time for that. This is the time when we just have to trust God. And sometimes we have to do that in those moments. You gotta let go of the skiff. You just, you gotta let it go. Whatever it is that is making you fear what God can do in your life, cut that and just let it go and, and set your sights on him. And that is what they do in this Can you story. imagine what that moment is like for no. them to cut those ropes and just yes. let it, you know, just let it drop off. Like this is, this, Man, like I love that it's this is a life or death situation and so many people when they get when we get into these places they feel like life or death, you know, yeah. they just feel like everything is on the line here though and to man, oh, maybe just like Joseph Smith you come you look back and you gather strength mm -hmm. from a story before um, from this story from your yeah. own and, and, that's, you just... and that's where we're going next. We're going to go so that's going to be the next one on your paper. So 5 is what are your four anchors? And part of that bottom one is gonna be just, you gotta cut off that skiff, you gotta let it go. Whatever your doubts are, whatever's holding you back, let it go, and six is gonna be. So six is in verse 35, when he mm -hmm. said this, they took bread and they gave thanks to God, uh, and when they had broken it, he began to eat. And, I, and, and it's just this idea of everybody gathers, they gather strength and they give thanks. And yeah. like, this is a waiting place, but we are going to thank God for all of his goodness in the past. And we're gonna gather our strength, mm -hmm. our, the people, yep. you know. Instead of focusing on that boat, on that skiff, on that getaway, instead Paul was like, nope, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna wait for the sun and we're get everyone, gather them together, have them take meat. We're gonna break bread together. We are gonna to give thanks. And and you just see that tethering continue, right? It's, it's gonna now, the still that tethering, it just keeps on going. And you and just love that idea of like, don't jump ship. Mm -hmm. Like this is the wrong time to bail on yeah. God. And yes. bail, just oh, like, so just good. hold on mm -hmm. for just a little bit longer and, and you know, and stay here. Yep. Gather that kind of strength. Yep. And, the, and then what happens is after they had eaten enough, they had gathered their strength. They had done everything they could. They got rid of all, anything that was weighing down the boat. They got rid of all of it. And, um, when it was day, they couldn't see the and land. And don't you wonder for just a second, I was just thinking like, I wonder what you do to gather strength, you know, when you're just like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not, what, they sat down and ate food and, and bread together, but what, we all do different things yes. to be like, what, how am I going to weather this storm? It's like, I need I 
I need a, 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 a weekly date to the temple. I need um, time in my scriptures. Time pondering. I need time. I need to do something where oh, I can be oh, like. So one that is so inhale. powerful for me is a playlist. I just have a playlist that when things are not good, it, it is my go-to playlist. And it just is songs that teach me about Jesus and his power and his strength and his peace. And, and I can feel the spirit when I listen to it. And maybe you have a courage playlist that you put together and that is what Or a particular friend strength. that you just like, I just need mm -hmm. to have lunch with this one friend, a conversation yeah. with them. Let me get my strength. Okay, now I'm yeah. ready. And then it's going to be day, right? And they still can't see. That is the hard part. They still can't see. They can see a little creek. Um, but they can't see, and so then it's going to be the last, um, the last of these steps, which is they finally just decide they are going to commit themselves to God, and um, they're going to pull up the the anchors, and they are going to put everything in God's hand, and they are going to move forward. And what I love about this journey that we are watching right now of Paul, and maybe you've seen it with the ropes as we've gone through every one, but this tethering process started really really small right it, he just started here i believe i know god and i've given my life to him and that is where paul started on the road to damascus and then he walks us through this tethering process right that i recognize he has a purpose for me i believe god that he's going to do what he says um god knows the end he knows the outcome and as i'm waiting for that to happen I'm going to gather strength and I am going to give thanks. That is what I've done before. That is what I'm going to do again. And there comes a point when Paul says, we, we just got to commit ourselves to the Lord. And, you know, you look at each of those tethering processes, uh, pro, uh, processes as they went through. And this one is so, I mean, this is not going to hold a big ship um, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all of Paul's experiences together that got him to a place where these are the ropes they use for cruise ships right this will hold an entire cruise ship um, it will tether it to the shore it will keep the people safe and that's what had happened to paul over the course of his life and it is that power and that testimony of god that was tethering not just him in a really crisis moment but everyone on the ship now the captain and the centurion and and all of the people everybody is looking to paul because he had gotten to this place in his life and what happens is um they loose the rudder bands and they hoist up the mainsail to the wind and they pointed to shore. And then it says they fell into a place where the two seas met and they ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck fast and it remained immovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. Remember when he told them the ship will be lost, but we won't lose even one life. And the soldiers, um, when they got there, they all got together and they went and they looked and the rest, everyone, and it comes at the very last line of 27 says, and so it came to pass that they all escaped all safe to land. It was just as Paul had said it was going to be. Every We lost the ship, but we will not lose a single soul. And I love I've always loved to that. that spot of like, and some on the broken pieces of yes. the ship, you know, yep. uh, and I want them to take them home. Yes. <laughs> Remember when this you know, happened? Yes, yes. I want them to take that broken piece. Yes. You know, because... Um, in chapter 28, the island that they land on is filled with like these cannibals and barbarian people. And it's kind of like, oh, well, here comes the next thing, yes. you know, it's like not yes. when this one ends, it's not over. So uh, anyways, but I just love that. They're just like the ship on these broken pieces yep. of the ship, they float in and I'm taking that home. 
and oh, hanging it on my wall. Yes, this. You know? and, um, I read this story many, many years ago, and as I was reading it, I, I had thought about these ropes and just watched this process of this growing. And as I gathered the ropes, I went to Home Depot, and I wanted to find a really thick rope. And so I finally called a cruise ship place, and they gave me this old man. I wish I had met him. Um, I was describing what I was trying to do with the ropes and how I wanted to teach this principle. And I was like, I just need the thickest rope you have, whatever is the thickest rope you have. And he's like, well, I have two thick ropes. Um, I have one that's clean and I have one that has been used for a lot of time. Which of the ropes do you want? And this was a long time before cell phones, long. He couldn't send me a picture. It would have taken weeks for him to take a picture, go get it processed at the Walmart one hour photo, whatever, and put it in the mail for me. You just, I just had to go with it. So I finally said to him, you know, will you just send me both? And then I can just choose when they get here. Just give me a length of both. And he, he was the cutest man. He was just this little old sailor. <laughs> and he just put them both in this. I didn't even pay for him. Why was he so cute? We don't know. But he put them both in these separate envelopes. And so they came. And the one came and it was this one that you've seen. And I opened it up and I was like, oh, yeah, that's good when it came. This is, this is a good thick rope. And then I opened the other package. And you guys, I just about died because this is the other rope he sent me. And I just want you to think about this rope for a minute. When you look at this, I want you to think to yourself, okay, how many days at sea has this rope had? And how many storms has it weathered? And how many days of sunshine? And what I loved the most about it when I pulled it out, I lost that little tiny rope. Oh, here it is. What I love the most about it is this rope is made up of so many of these little ropes it's they're all you can just tell it's they're all that little tiny rope and it's all those years of tethering and the experiences the good days and the bad days and the being tied up in storms and and all of that this is what happened and i look at this rope and i think this is what paul's life looked like at the end when he was on that ship when you want to know what it looks like to be tethered to god this is what it looks like. And I just held this rope in my hands on that day when it came. And I thought, you know, at the end of my life, if, if I could show you what my testimony of being tethered to God looked like, I think this is what it would look like. Um, just used and worn and, and you can see oil on it and you can see dirt and you just can tell this has spent a lot of time tethering something and anchoring it and holding it strong and this is what I'm going for. It's what I think to myself every time I see this. This is who I want to be at the end. And it's, it comes from the same process Paul talks about. It, it comes from knowing God and knowing he has a purpose for you and trusting his word and believing that he, he knows the outcome and anchoring ourselves to him and then gathering strength and giving thanks and just eventually committing ourselves to him. That is the power of being tethered to God. And, and that's my goal. That is what I want to be at the end yeah. of my life. Just like Paul. Just And this rope says at the end of somebody's life, like I was really there. Mm -hmm. Like I lived my life. I was there and you were there is, is what it says. And yeah. it's, I mean, in the middle of those experiences, you're like, I could never, I don't, I don't ever. I remember somebody asked me one time, they're just like, do you want your life to be really easy or would you choose for it to be hard? 
And then he said, and I really want you to think about that question. Hmm. Because my first initial knee-jerk reaction is, oh, easy. Yes. Duh. That's not even a, that's a dumb question. I want it to be easy. And then I thought about it and I was like, but I don't because there's no victory in easy and there's no, you know, there's none of those moments of trusting and committing Mm -hmm. yourself to him. And what that does, you know, to your soul is you just want to be this one, not this one. Yeah, you do. You know, you like, be, this you one know, didn't live life. Yeah, because you, you know? want to be like, what happened here? I just want to know, like, what happened here? And also this Tell one me that all is the stories, coming out, know? what happened there? You know, and there's a rip here. And where has this rope been? What parts of the world has it gone to? And mm-hmm. what has it experienced? And that's what we want. Right. That's what Paul did. He went everywhere and he experienced everything. And he just gave his heart to God. He kept back nothing. He was altogether committed. Um, oh, I just love Paul. Yeah. I had a, a teacher ask me the other day, why do the Christians love Paul so much? Why? Why do Christian people love to teach about Paul? And I just want to be, well, just bring up, here. This is why. This is why. <laughs> yeah. And this, is a, this why? is a man who crossed through the veil when he eventually dies and has no trouble recognizing God. And God has no trouble recognizing him mm-hmm. because they walked this journey yeah. tied together. So, so we hope you loved this. We hope you loved the ropes. We love teaching the rope lesson. Yeah. So, so fun. Okay, see you, next, see you week. next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.